Evie dying and her death, I don't want that pain and suffering to be for nothing. I think that's that's the key to it all is I don't want her life to be for nothing. And for me, I guess this is my way of honouring and remembering her by using that strength that I gained from that horrible, horrible thing that happened in my life um, to be able to do amazing things in my life now help me on my journey. And so I think that's where I draw that strength from that and, you know, just so it's it's not just a wasted life. You know, she she was there for a reason for me. Um, I'm a big believer that things, everything happens for a reason. As, as you know, and as horrible as it was losing Evie, um, I, I wouldn't be the person I am today and doing the things that I'm doing if it wasn't for for that um, for that grief and that suffering. Welcome to the RMA podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Nicole Bunyan, founder of Running Mums Australia. Each episode, I will be speaking to everyday women who have an inspiring story to tell. We will cover the highs and lows of their own journey, the impact motherhood has had on their life, and how running has inspired them to live wilder, dream bigger, and change the world around them. Thank you for joining us on this new adventure that will hopefully leave an imprint for you to live out your own life inspired to conquer goals you never thought possible. On this episode of the RMA podcast, I talked to RMA ambassador, Emma Luscombe. I talked to Emma about her experience losing her baby girl, Evie, to stillbirth and how this experience has shaped her journey moving forward as a mum and also as a runner. Emma has been an ambassador for RMA for a very long time now. And as you'll hear in this podcast, Emma dabbles in ultra running, which is one of her most favorite things to do. It's not just the little journeys that Emma embarks on, but as you'll see, it's the really big ones too, where she learns lots of lessons along the way and shares them with us in this podcast. Emma's journey has gone through many ups and downs, and what I love about Emma's journey is that she has always displayed that she can get back up after setbacks and keep going. She also shows us that the journey doesn't have to be perfect, but if we believe in ourselves, we can do amazing things too. I know you will love this podcast. It is real, it is raw, and it is inspiring, and I hope you enjoy. Hi, Emma. Welcome to the RMA podcast. Hello. How are you, Nicole? Good, thank you. It's <laughs> been a long time since I've seen your face. It has. It's really nice to connect. We're on Zoom for those that obviously can't see us, um, which is really nice because I get to do these podcasts where I actually get to see the person. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Um, how's it all going over in WA at the moment? Well, WA is a pretty good place to be at the moment, <laughs> as most of you will know. Um, we're a little bit isolated from the rest of Australia, but um, for me, it's actually still a bit crazy over here. I've been on stand down from work for the last well, two months now, so um, my world's a little bit strange. Um, <laughs> we had the kids home for a couple of months um, off school, like a lot of people did. 
Um, but the main thing for me has been trying to find some new normal with um, not going to work every day. <laughs> That's probably been the, the strangest thing, really. It's just really hard when you can't plan ahead um, and you're just kind of on edge all the time. Like, am I going to go back to work? You know, or am I going to be at home? It's just, yeah, it's a bit tough. But, um, you know, um, there's others out there that have got <laughs> in a lot, a lot worse situations. So I'm not going to complain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. I guess we've just got to take, you know, the good things with the bad at the moment and exactly yeah be thankful for what we've got but you know it is a difficult situation for anyone with just the uncertainty around everything at the moment that's the hardest yeah. part i think that's it that's it it's always the uncertainty it's the not knowing it's um yeah always dif- difficult for everyone <laughs> mm, that's right so a lot of people um probably know you obviously as an rma ambassador and a really valued member of rma Um, But I thought before we get into that and how you became an ambassador and all about your running, I thought we'd get into a little bit of your background and, you know, a little bit of your childhood even, you know, were you active as a child? Did you run when you were young? Um, Maybe you could fill us in with a little bit of that story. So I'm from WA, as most of you already know. I actually grew up in a town called Albany, which is in south of WA. Um, grew up there with my mum and my dad and my uh, younger sister. Wasn't particularly active. Um, I did like a bit of cross country, um, but that was more because um, I could keep going. Everyone else would sort of give up after 100 or 200 metres and I didn't mind sort of plodding along. And um, that was probably about the only sport that I really enjoyed as a kid. But um, yeah, I guess it's sort of grown with me, the running, as I've mm. got older. <laughs> mm. And you probably had a little bit of that uh, long distance in you from a young child. Maybe that endurance was built into yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, there must have been. I mean, my dad's side of the family, there were runners on that side. So I guess I was a little bit inspired by them. Um, and my gran, actually. So she was a mum of 11 kids. Um, wow. <laughs> and she ran into her 70s. Like, it was crazy. Mm. And I remember as a kid, there used to be an event um, in Albany called the Port to Point. Um, It was only like a 10K run, but um, to me as a kid, I thought that was like a marathon. It was amazing. And she used to go in this Port to Point every year. And I just used to think, wow, if Gran can do it, I can do it too. (laughs) And um, I remember finishing that 10K and feeling like I'd run a marathon as a kid, (laughs) as you would as an adult now, that same feeling and just thinking it was the furthest distance in the world Um, but I guess that must have been you know the kind of beginning of it for me really. (laughs) Mm, How old were you when you ran that the first time? Yeah I I don't know to be honest I think I was in about year four so. Wow yeah really you tank a lot away. (laughs) That's it and we didn't really train or anything it was just like a once a year thing like oh it's point to point time let's go and run it so Mm. I guess that's (laughs) That's translated a bit to how I approach events later in life. So not much has changed. Yeah, that's right. Let's just go run 200 miles. (laughs) No, I'm sure you don't do that. But anyway, we'll get to that. Um, So can you tell everybody um, a little bit more about then, obviously, you know, you dabbled in a little bit of running and activity when you were younger, but how did you actually find running as an adult? Yeah, it's, it's funny to try and pinpoint an exact time. I think growing up, even in my teens, I just had this idea that one day I wanted to run a marathon. It was, yeah, one day. Um, 
and I continued to say that through the years. And there were a couple of times when um, I had my two girls when they were younger, I thought, oh, I'll try and start running again. It'd last like a couple of weeks and then I'd stop. And it wasn't until much, much later, um, I think it was about 2013, mm -hmm. so not that long ago really, mm -hmm. that I suddenly went, you know what, I'm sick of saying one day, I'm just going to freaking get out there and I'm going to start running. Um, and so I decided I'm going to go and run a half marathon. <laughs> so, and um, yeah, I was still, I was actually obese at the time when I first started training and I thought, no, nah, bugger it, I'm just going to start. Um, and got out there and ran my first half. And then after that, it was like, what's next? And actually ran an ultra before I ran my first marathon um, in the same year, which is not recommended, um, but happens quite often over here in WA because there's not as many events to choose from. And um, yeah, it kind of just escalated from there, really. Mm. So did you, when you started that first half marathon, did you know any other runners? Like, uh you know, were you part of a running group or club or did you have any friends that ran or did you just try this on your own without any real support around you? No, I tried it on my own. Oh. <laughs> I was living at the time in a really tiny coastal town called Bremer Bay. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a little tourist town and there's pretty much only a couple of hundred people living there um, sort of in the off season. And then it escalates to like, thousands of people in the in the summer season so um yeah quite lonely really um on my own and just went nope just gonna um find a training plan and just start training for it and um then traveled to Perth which was about four or five hours away to do my first half marathon so yeah I didn't really know any runners to be honest <laughs> so how did that feel to you like going from not really doing a lot of running to running a half marathon. Like what was that journey like through the training at that time, especially doing it solo and on your own. And also does that experience translate to kind of now the way that you run? Cause I, I do notice a lot of your training and it could be just out of necessity is done solo and on your own. And do you kind of prefer that anyway? Yeah, it's funny because we I've talked about this one a lot lately with um, with some of the running groups that I have joined now because I am now living in the city. So um, I have the opportunity to run with other people, which I didn't have for many, many years. Um, and, you know, that was the beginning of my running journey when I didn't have anyone to train with. So I did. I got very used to just running on my own. Mm -hmm. So um, it's it was actually quite uncomfortable for me to learn to run with other people. Mm -hmm. um, and I still really, really struggle running with others. I love it. I really enjoy it. But just getting out there and going and meeting people, I find really tough. Um, I think it's a bit of it's a bit of a social anxiety thing. So um, it's all about getting out of my comfort zone, which I'm trying to do more this year, <laughs> um, including doing this podcast. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I, I do find that majority of my running is still on my own just because that's what I'm more comfortable with. Um, but I'm getting better at saying yes to the group runs and to making more of those, you know, face-to-face -face connections with people, which is amazing too. I guess a lot of people have those feelings too. Like, and I see it in the RMA group a lot, you know, even back when, you know, back in the time when we had park run, <laughs> it wasn't that long ago, but you know, uh, we're not sure if it's ever coming back, but back in the time we had park run, um, a lot of people would say, oh, I sat in the car and I just couldn't get up the courage to go out and run with other people. 
And a lot of it would be, um, you know, it's hard for people, I guess, to get out of that comfort zone. And also there's a lot of anxiety around, you know, it could be they feel like they, they don't know enough or they're too slow or they're too big or this or that, depending on their journey. You know, if you, if you were overweight when you started, like, was that something that made you feel um, anxious about running with other people? Did that, was that something that you were worried about or was it more that you just didn't have people around you that you knew ran? I guess to begin with, it was just simply because there were no other people. Mm -hmm. Um, But massive thing for me is being self-conscious of, um, of being overweight um, of being a back of the pack runner. Um, I was what, you know, <laughs> we all like to say there's no such thing as slow, but in my eyes, I was slow and, um, that was huge. It was just, it was that, that stress of, I'm not going to be able to keep up. I'm going to, you know, people are going to think, oh, what's this woman doing trying to run? It was just, um, yeah, it was em- embarrassing, I guess. So, um, it's taken a long time to get over those feelings. And even now after, years of running ultras I still find for some of the really long like especially the trail runs I have to really battle with that I have to go no Emma it doesn't matter (laughs) run your own race run your own pace don't worry about what everyone else is doing because in some of those events you know there are there are a lot of people are very speedy on trails and I'll find myself towards the back of the pack and yeah, it's, it's hard. It's hard to get over that hurdle in your mind of that you're not worthy. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. <laughs> yeah. What could you, what advice would you give someone who's feeling that? Like, I mean, I know you said it's a, it's a journey that you've been through and you're a lot better at, at, at lining up now and doing that. And I guess getting the courage and strength, but it's, it is that imposter syndrome that we all suffer and everybody does and I'm sure even the front of the pack people do too um absolutely you know what advice would you give someone who's struggling with that to be able to line up and and just get the courage to get out there and have a go anyway well I think like you said it is a journey um it's something that takes time um but I mean it is just about learning to believe in yourself um but don't give up. <laughs> That's yeah. the biggest thing. Um, you know, the day that you do get out there, even if, even if it doesn't go to a plan, you know, get back out there again. Just keep trying because eventually it'll get easier um, and you will become more and more comfortable with it. And even now, like even, even yesterday, I was going to meet up with some people um, that we call dark runs. We, we meet up in the evenings for, for a bit of a run. And, you know, I had to fight with myself the whole way about going. But once I was there, I had an amazing time. I felt better this morning. And I thought, well, there you go. You know, with each time you do it, it gets that little bit easier. So it is just persisting um, and practicing (laughs) like anything. (laughs) That's true. And I also think it's about finding your tribe. Like, absolutely. went somewhere that people were just not accepting of all types of runners, I'd probably find somewhere else. Um, So, you know, finding, and, and that's why trials are so great in a way, because they really do accept everybody and people are so friendly and genuine, especially ultras. Like I think everyone's in out there just to have a good time and enjoy the scenery and enjoy the run. We're not so bogged down with how long things take. And I think that's the main reason why I'm drawn to ultras, especially and trail running is that everyone's so accepting of everybody else. Nobody's on this huge mission to get to the finish line in a certain amount of time. 
they're out there to be, you know, the camaraderie of, of the people around them and all those other things that mean more. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, finding your tribe's a big one and just, I guess, running in places like that, that make it a little bit more special. And I've, I've seen, like, I find too, people at the back of the park are having way more fun. Anyway. <laughs> so, so talking about community, um, I thought we'd touch on what led you to finding RMA. <laughs> All those years ago. All those years ago. <laughs> it, was, it was funny because when I listened to you interviewing Anna, I thought, yep, it was about the same time for me too. So it was right back at the beginning when you first created RMA. Um, and it was right at the beginning of my running journey too, um, which is, you know, a bit of a coincidence really. Um, and I had started up my own little um, Facebook page called Running Grace. Um, I'd named that in memory of my little girl, Evie, who I lost, um, who is is someone who um, remains close to me when I'm out running. And um, yeah, I got a a message from you actually to that running page (laughs) saying, hey, I'm starting up this group. Do you want to join? And I thought, oh, why not? (laughs) So that was back when there was only a handful of us, less than a hundred, like Anna said. And um, yeah, it grew from there and, and it's been amazing to watch and grow over the years, that's for sure. Mm. And I think that was the special thing about the beginnings of RMA. And at the beginning, it was kind of like I had these a few people because I didn't have a running community. I was like you, I was training on my own. I was solo. I was running by myself, training for this marathon, finished the race and felt really lonely. And And I was following some of the, you know, few Facebook pages like it was called pages back like then but like yeah yeah <laughs> um, have their own kind of page um except I didn't even have my own page but anyway um <laughs> and then yeah I thought there's specific people that I just felt this connection with that I followed that I thought well they're mums too when they run and we all have something special we're all connected in this special way and yeah let's let's all get together and form something amazing and so yeah, that's why I reached out to you. And also I was watching your journey and it really resonated with me, like how you'd been through such trauma, yet you were pushing on and doing, you know, striving for amazing things for yourself and using that to fuel your desires to have something better. And I don't know, I just, it, that story just really spoke to me and I just thought, you get a lot out of being part of this community of women as well throughout that journey. And then I was watching you, you know, throughout the time when you were just the beginnings of RMA, (laughs) watching your journey. And back then I was just running like road runs mainly and marathons or half marathons. This world of ultra running and trail running wasn't, it hadn't even come into my existence yet. And I was watching your journey doing these things that I thought were incredibly amazing and inspiring because you were just this everyday mum, this woman who'd gone through a lot in her life and had little kids and, and yet you were still able to do these amazing things. And I was incredibly inspired by that, um, which is why I actually chose you as an RMA ambassador right back then, because I thought (laughs) I don't want an ambassador who people you know, know, or there's this, you know, like celebrity. That's not what I was looking for. I was looking for an everyday woman who was willing to step out of their comfort zone, 
and do something amazing to show other women that they can do that too, that everybody, if they try hard and they have commitment and drive and they can have these amazing dreams um, that they can fulfill. And, and you really did do that and still do do that. So <laughs> the journey's been long and ups and downs and I'm really privileged to have followed it and been a part of it. Um, and so many people really connect with you, Emma, because you are just like us, you know, and we all go through struggles and trials and we, we can do these amazing things with the support around us. And I've seen that in your own life. Um, you know, how did you feel anyway, when I came to you and asked you if you wanted to be an RMA ambassador all those years ago, what, what did you actually think in that moment? I felt incredibly honored <laughs> and very excited. And just like it was an opportunity that I just had to take up. Like I just wanted to share what I was going through. It was just, I guess because running has been so empowering for me, I just wanted to share that with other people mm. um, and just, and make those connections because it is all about making those connections. And, um, you know, like you said, when, when you're coming from somewhere that um, you don't have many others around, those connections are even more important. And as mums, that's even more important because we all know how isolating it can feel being a mother. Even if you are in a city and you've got people all around you, um, that doesn't stop you from feeling isolated and feeling lonely. So um, it, it's just, it was that opportunity. And I just, I just felt like, I was still, I was right at the beginning of my journey and I just felt like I still had so much to grow and learn. And I just wanted to share that with other people. So I guess that's why it was so exciting for me. You know, for uh, someone else looking in who's starting their journey from the very first step, that would be incredibly inspiring to watch and to see that, you know, here's this woman in WA, she's got all these kids and she works and she studies and yet she's like going to run these crazy distances um, oh, maybe I could do something like that one day. You know, it really just, it's, it plants that little seed in someone's mind. And that's what RMA is all about. It's about planting that little seed that you can do things too. And I'm um, having that support around you. So well, yeah, I just, I've loved watching and following on your journey this whole time. It's been really amazing. So we'll, we'll go back now. Um, and we'll talk about that time you know, back in 2009, um, when you did have one of the biggest challenges of your life and you lost your baby girl, Evie, would you mind telling people about that experience and, and how that actually felt as a mother um, going through that journey? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's funny because, I mean, we're it's 11 years ago now um, and in some ways it feels like a long time ago and in some ways it just feels like yesterday. Um, it changes you. It's really hard to put into words. Um, I mean, it's devastating how it's, it's something you think will never ever happen to you as a mother. Um, and then when it does, um, yeah, you basically hit rock bottom. Um, I mean, I was 37 weeks pregnant um, with Evie. She was my fourth baby. 
Um, and we were on the home straight, normal pregnancy, healthy, um, never had any issues before. Um, and she just suddenly died. Um, they don't know why. Um, we never found out why. Um, yeah, and I had to had to give birth to her and it was just horrendous. There's no other ways to describe it. Um, and, you know, and, and at that moment, that was, that was the, the rock bottom. Um, and I've had a lot of time to reflect on this, obviously, over the years, but we've actually just passed um, Evie's anniversaries as well this year. So I, it is still quite fresh in my mind because I've been thinking about it a lot again and how it's related to my running. And um, after, after Evie was born, I actually um, retained the placenta. So they needed to take me to surgery to, um, you know, to, to remove the placenta afterwards. And I remember being on that trolley and being wheeled down the hallway to theatre. And for the first time in my life, I laid there and I thought, that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to die. I want to die. Please let me die. <laughs> and I've never, ever felt that before. I've, I've suffered depression for many years. And, um, you know, the, the kids always are what keep me here. I'm like, no, you know, I've, I've got kids to live for and I just couldn't leave them. Um, but that was the first time that I ever went, I'm done. Um, and, and thankfully, before I went under for that surgery, I managed to talk myself out of it and go, no, come on, get yourself together. You've got kids here, you have to continue on. Um, but I think, just getting to that level of rock bottom and um, and then the suffering and the pain and the grief that continues on afterwards. Mm. As a mother, I guess you have a choice. You have a choice whether or not you just, you lie down and, and, and you let it take your life as well. Mm. Or if you force yourself to get up and you keep fighting and um, and learning how to be stronger, even though, being strong feels like the last thing you're doing. People go, oh, you're so strong. And you're like, you have no idea. I'm dying inside. Um, but I guess really you are, you're being strong. And so every day that you continue on after your, your child's died, you're becoming stronger. Mm. So over the years and the days and, um, and the, the pain and the grief and, and all the rest of it, you learn that strength um, and then, you know, years down the track, when you when I finally did begin running and doing and running ultras and things like that, it just it gave me that confidence that I knew that I could do it because mm-hmm. I had been through the worst of the worst. <laughs> and I, I, you know, it might sound like a bit of a negative way to think about it, really, but I guess it's the raw reason. That, I, that I've got the strength to do things now. You know, I, I've had to build that strength up. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a journey. It's, it's been a really tough journey. Mm. And it's hard to put into words, as you can probably tell. No, no, your words are very eloquent. Like, absolutely can imagine that it's, it's like building a muscle. Like, it, it takes time. It takes persistence. It takes effort. I'm sure there's days where you just don't even want to get out of bed. Um, and I'm sure early on, just after all of this happened, you did not want to get out of bed. Um, but each time you got up, each time you got out, each time you 
you know, got up and made your other kids breakfast or whatever it may be, you made it through another day. Um, you know, it doesn't get easier. It just gets different is what I've heard, you know, but you draw on the strength of what you've endured. And I, I think that's that journey and watching you, like even just knowing back then what happened and coming alongside you through that journey, it takes real courage also to share that journey with others, but to get up and actually think, no, I'm worthy of pushing on. Um, And Evie would love to, she's watching down, seeing all the amazing things you're doing. And I guess it it does take courage for you. You know, that heartbreak is so devastating. Um, I don't know how I would respond in that situation if if it was me. You know, I've, I've seen your journey. I've been through a similar journey with some really close people in my life and it's just devastating. Um, I can't imagine a deeper grief if I'm honest, Um, but to watch you rise above that grief over and over again, um, which still sits, I'm sure right in the pit of your heart um, is really inspiring. Um, Yeah. I'm finding it hard to put into words (laughs) how, how um how inspiring it is to watch and it's you know it's a topic that i really wanted to discuss here and and i'm so grateful that you're open to talking about this experience because it's something that affects many many women and it's not talked about nearly enough and those women want that grief almost to be you know talked about and and the fact that their children deserve to be celebrated and and that they were their children you know they were here they existed um and they were here and i think it's something that you know as women and as mums in our community we can come alongside each other and the people that bear that grief and um and help carry them through it so i think you're a real i guess beacon of hope to other women that have followed your journey that are in a similar situation Um, or have been through this journey and I know lots of people that have referred to you um, and talked about your journey and being a source of inspiration for them when they've had to deal with a similar grief so you know I think um, you might not know how many women you've actually touched but you've touched a lot. (laughs) Thanks Nicole and just what you said then about rising up and I think that really that sums it up really well um, is that you know Evie dying and her death, I don't want that pain and suffering to be for nothing. I think that's that's the key to it all is I don't want her life to be for nothing. Mm-hmm. And and I think and you sort of touched on that, how, you know, women who have lost children want them talked about and remembered. And, mm-hmm. and for me, I guess this is my way of honouring and remembering her by using that strength that I gained from that horrible horrible thing that happened in my life Mm. um to be able to do amazing things in my life now um and to you know um help me on my journey um and so I think that's where I draw that strength from that and you know just so it's it's not just a wasted life you know she she was there for a reason for me um I'm a big believer that things everything happens for a reason as as you know and as horrible as it was losing Evie um I I wouldn't be the person I am today and doing the things that I'm doing um if it wasn't 
for for that um for that grief and that suffering so um yeah it gives that meaning for sure mm, yeah definitely so how did this that experience like how did it actually shape your next pregnancy like because obviously you went on and you had a baby another baby you had a boy uh, what's your son's name so that's Mitchell. So he's my youngest now. So I've had five babies, <laughs> four of them with me <laughs> and my little girl in, in heaven. Um, so yeah, Mitchell's, Mitchell's 10 now. I just turned 10 on the weekend. <laughs> um, it was crazy um, having another pregnancy afterwards. Um, I actually fell pregnant with Mitchell three months after I lost Evie. Um, and uh the father of my children had actually had a vasectomy while we were pregnant with Evie um, because four was meant to be it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But we didn't have the testing done um, during that pregnancy. Um, And then so three months afterwards when we found out that was pregnant, we were like, how did that happen? (laughs) (laughs) So um, had the testing done and found out he was still 100% fertile. Um, so, so it had failed, uh, clearly. Um, and we ended up with Mitchell, who is my miracle baby, who, um, but that was just, that was a whole new challenge in itself because, because I'd uh, fallen pregnant with him so quickly afterwards, um, all of the first anniversaries of Evie's death and birth, um, all coincided with right when I was due with Mitch. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was really tough. Um, it was very scary. Um, but I just, I just feel so grateful that I, I have this kid in my life and, um, he's, a he's a little redhead too. Um, like his, (laughs) his sister was and, um, you know, having another baby afterwards, you know, you, you never, it's never going to replace the child that you lost, um, but your longing of a baby doesn't go away. And so there was a lot of healing that happened um, by, by having him in our lives. And, and I look at him every day and think, wow, you know, um, if, if we hadn't have lost Evie, I wouldn't have him. So Mm. it's, it's very bittersweet. um, But, yeah, I'm very grateful to, to have four children here with me. So, yeah. Yeah. So in light of that experience, like losing Evie um, to stillbirth, like what does that, does running mean just that little bit more to you now? Like you, you said that it shapes your journey. Do you use that experience to fuel you on? Was that something that you, you draw on every single time you get out there or is it in you know, it more deeper profound when you're racing like I struggle to get out the door a lot um I struggle to find consistency I think um it's it's the overall uh reason for doing what I do is I I feel like I want to make good use of that strength that I got from losing Evie. So I think it's, you know, it's when I'm doing those big events, um, when I'm out there and I'm having to draw from within to really, to be able to get through and to, 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 to do the hard stuff. Um, that's where I, you know, I, I go back to going, well, you got through that, you can get through this. Well, let's talk about that journey now. So when you started running so you said you did your half marathon and then you went straight to an ultra before you even did your first marathon i think it was the gold coast was your first marathon wasn't it no no it was um perth city to surf so 
yeah and then the following year was gold coast but gold coast was the year i tried to do 12 marathons in 12 months so that was a little crazy (laughs) (laughs) just a little (laughs) but so when you started training and running ultras what was it about ultras that appealed to you most um Well, the first ultra I did was basically just because there wasn't another marathon until the following year. Um, And I didn't want to wait that long. (laughs) You know what it's like once you've done a half, you're like, oh, which marathon can I sign up for? Um, And back then there just wasn't as much variety in WA. There's a lot more now. Um, So, but but after doing my first marathon the following year, um, my first road marathon, I sort of finished and I loved it, of course, and I was like, right, what next? And for me, I I was a slower runner um, and I just thought, you know what, I don't actually care that much about getting faster, but I'd like to know how much further I can go. <laughs> yeah. So I went, right, what else is there out there? Um, ended up I did actually run a couple more marathons um in that same year (laughs) um sucker for punishment um and then it kind of then that following year I was like you know what I'm going to try for 12 marathons in 12 months but the problem with that in WA was that there wasn't that many marathons (laughs) being run so in order to be able to do the 12 marathons in 12 months I was going to have to run some ultras um (laughs) so I just basically picked one a month and um went from there um there were there were a few dnfs um <laughs> i learned things the hard way um because i like to just jump in and mm-hmm. and give it a crack um but yeah learned so much along the way and yeah just it really went from there <laughs> so what was your first ultra what was that one so the first one was um six inch it's called it's called six inch it sounds a bit dodgy um it's not dodgy <laughs> it's a take on um oh, what's the one over east six uh is it six foot or something yes, you've yes, got over yeah. there yeah so it's just a kind of take of that so it's about 45 k's that one so um i mean on trail um, so I had a go of that one. I actually got DQ'd in that um, because oh. I missed an aid station and ran the course a kilometre short. <laughs> um, oh, no. And, so but it was also about... kilometres or something and you didn't get... The- yeah, yeah. So I, I still count it. <laughs> yeah, um, but, but, but you can imagine running that and being disqualified. Um, I was pretty devo and then felt like I hadn't run my first <laughs> marathon. Mm-hmm. So that just added a bit more fuel to the fires. <laughs> mm-hmm. So was there anything in that experience? Like what was that experience like running that race? Like an ultra for the first time? Did you read much about ultras or did you just go out and wing it? It was actually December and um, it, it was, it's now known as the hot year that year. <laughs> so it got to temperatures of like 40 degrees out on the track that day. Um, it was horrendous. <laughs> I've, only, I've only ever run one other event that has been that hot now. Um, definitely learned a lot from it. Um, did pretty much wing it um, as, as a lot of my ultras were to begin with. They were just winging it. Um, but I did learn a lot over those first few years and, um, yeah, managed to <laughs> get a bit better idea of what to do and what not to do after that. <laughs> yeah. So have you got any favourite moments from any particular ultras that you would like to share? Like anything that stands uh, out to you was pretty awesome? 
Uh, I've got a really memorable one. Yeah, okay, go for it. <laughs> it's a bit of a funny story. but um, <laughs> So back in 2017, I was doing a multi-day event called um, uh, the Wild Goose Chase over here. Yeah. So I was doing a three-day multi-event um, called the Ducks Nuts. Um, on the first day, <laughs> yeah, we've got great names for events know, over really here. <laughs> That's a Sean Kaysler speciality. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so the first day was an 18k hill climb. Second day was 100, oh, no, 106k, and the third day was 53k. So um, it was we packed all the kids up in the car. Said, "Yep, you're all coming camping for the weekend as well, out in the middle of the bush." Um, it was raining, so that added that extra element. We had pretty dodgy tents, so you know there was a bit of leaky tent issues happening there, and people not quite fitting into tents and all sorts of things. <laughs> but um, in our true star, we just went, "Nah, she'll be right." Um, chucked the kids in, and away we went. Um, it was all going all right. Um, second day. 103k um i think for the last 20 30ks you were allowed a pacer um and so my other half paced me for that um so that meant the kids were staying back in the campsite with everyone else um on their own but that was all good there's lots of people around so there was no problem there we thought they'll be fine um so we managed to get through um get through the 106 get back to camp First thing I'm told um, by the kids when we get back in is, Ollie was really sick. And I'm going, oh, no, yeah, he threw up all through the tent. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, please no. So I've just run 106Ks. And this is what I'm dealing with when we get back from camp. Not only that, that for that particular day, um, there was a cutoff, obviously, because you needed to be able to get back up and run the 53 the following morning. So I came in about half an hour before cutoff. Mm. So I, I probably had about an hour and a half to two hours before I had to go back out the next morning. So mm. with this lovely news from the kids, we all just managed to crawl back into the tent and try and get like an hour sleep or something. Uh, and of course I can't sleep. It's freezing cold. It's raining, everything. Um, and then I get a vomit. <laughs> yeah, things smell like vomit. One child was sleeping in camping chairs because she said the tent smelt too much. And then I get a mom, and I'm like, oh my gosh, what is going on? Mom, I had an accident. <laughs> and the other end, <laughs> so without going into too much detail. So there I am in the rain, in the pouring rain, trying to clean up my son after running 106Ks in the dark. And it was about that moment that I just started crying and I couldn't stop <laughs> crying. Yeah, and reached your mum limit. <laughs> I had definitely reached my mum limit. Um, managed to clean him up. By that time, I cleaned him up. It was time to go and check in for the for the oh next day's God. race. And I remember just grabbing all my stuff in a big bunch and going to check in, crying. <laughs> I just couldn't. Everyone's like, "Are you okay?" No, I'm not okay. <laughs> and I just couldn't stop crying. And I cried for the first hour of that day of the oh. of the. 53 that day I ended up because I'd had no sleep um and obviously felt really nauseous because I'd had no sleep and I ended up hiking out that day but it was a like a really long cutoff like basically if you could finish it they'd let you finish it so I didn't finish until quite late that Sunday night um but that hands down has to be the most memorable moment coming back in on that third day 
um, as you came down, it was a little bit of a gully that where the finish was and you came down that last zigzag down the hill and they can see your headlamp. So they start all screaming and cheering for you. And I could hear the kids. Um, and I was with the sweeper because um, I was the last one in. And I just remember, you know, <laughs> chest tight with all the emotion, just going, this is why I did this yeah. <laughs> to show my kids that I could finish. <laughs> and that was just, oh, it was the most amazing moment. Absolutely toughest thing I've ever done <laughs> um but amazing amazing experience that's for sure that yeah, yeah that's got to be one of my I, I don't know if it's a, a favorite moment but it was definitely a memorable moment I'll never forget that one either will anybody in the family <laughs> uh no and the son still gets um it gets laughed about it to this day because it was from because they had um marshmallows at the camp oh. so they were gorging themselves with marshmallows so he just had a sugar overload in his body had gone nah, can't deal with that so that was the result (laughs) oh my gosh that's hilarious like I mean that that's like a full-on ultra (laughs) that's that's like the ultra of all ultras it it was it was pretty intense don't recommend it I think there was another point in that race as well on the 106k day we were going up this really big hill big climb and I was literally leaning on my poles and I was making the noises you make when you're giving birth like literally (laughs) that's what it reminded me of like I was in labor and my partner now he hasn't had had been through the joy of labor and birth and I thought if (laughs) that's as close as he was gonna get with that experience ever getting yeah (laughs) (laughs) it was great that's exactly like the thing though right like I want to get your actual um thoughts on what does it feel like because I've only ever I've done 200k races never have I actually felt the desire to go any further than 100ks people say to me all the time oh you should do a miler and I'm kind of like yeah no (laughs) but like how does it feel to actually go out again so the first day what was the first day for that race again first day was only 18k so it was 18k hill climb the first day yeah so hill climb right it's not just flat Mm. and then and just trail as well and then you've got 106ks and then 56ks like how does it feel 53 so how does it feel to go out on that third day horrendous (laughs) (laughs) like hell like absolute hell (laughs) what do you tell yourself to get through because this is something i've always been really interested in what do you tell yourself like your muscles like i've done back-to-back runs for ultras and a lot of the girls i coach i do a lot of back-to-back runs so i'd imagine it feels like one horrendous back-to-back run where your body just doesn't want to cooperate but after time just things start to kind of loosen up like how or do you just yeah the whole 53 kilometers do you know what? It's, it's never the body. It's always the mind. Mm. So your body copes. It's amazing. Like a lot of people talk about this, how um, when you're out there on the really long ones, your body will keep going. If it knows that the end is 50K, it'll be done at 50K. If it knows you're doing 100K, it won't be done until you get to 100K. So if you know where the finish line is, your body will keep going. Um, it's, it's your mind. It's your head that will want to give up. <laughs> um, and I, I, I think for me, it was just, you've just got to keep going. <laughs> you just got to keep going. And so it didn't matter that I was crying <laughs> and um, didn't matter that it was a fast hike. It, it was what I had to do to keep going. Um, and I think 
adaptation is so important um, so that when you when you do run into issues when you're out there you know how to adapt so for example that day because I was feeling so nauseous because I hadn't slept at all I, I had to fast hike that was the only way it was going to work and um, you know I think I think that's the thing you've, you've got to be able to think on the run and go okay well this isn't working what else can I do how can I change this like your whole race isn't over just because one thing happens you know you've you've got a sore you know muscle oh well what can I do to you know work around that or I'm feeling nauseous okay how what do I, do I need to slow down do I need to drink more do I eat more and it's just that constant okay how can I make this work and you know eventually you get to the point where you can't make it any work anymore hopefully you get to the finish line before that happens but it's all so much about learning um, to listen to your body um, and to really, yeah, yeah, take take note of all those little things that it's telling you, um, and to just adapt and and to not be scared because it is normal to suffer in ultras. Uh, it's yeah. very normal, um, and it's just learning how to manage it um, and and to know when when your body is telling you enough is enough um, because that's another important thing to to know when to pull the pin. So, yeah, yeah. and that's part of ultra running. It's just part and parcel of ultra running. You're not ever going to be in an ultra without pain. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about um, over the last few years, you know, you've had your ups and downs with running. So you've been, you know, you've had some little breaks every now and then. Um, what was the reason behind you having those breaks? Unfortunately, um, with the breakdown of um, the relationship with the father of my children, um, unfortunately, there was a lot of trauma and a lot of really not nice stuff that um, went on. Um, it's taken me a long time to be able to deal with that. Um, and so I, I have good periods in my life and I have not so good periods in my life <laughs> um as I mentioned earlier I've, I've suffered depression for oh, pretty much all of my adult life and um and so that's always something that I'm having to manage um and running has been amazing for that um as I'm I'm sure you're aware it's a very good tool for depression but over that time um there's just been times when it, it just got too much I just couldn't I couldn't, couldn't deal with life really. <laughs> um, and unfortunately, when you go into that survival mode, um, you pretty much, you're conserving energy. So you're using all of your energy just to survive the day, um, yeah. just to get through what you need to get through with the kids and with your life and putting food on the table and keeping a roof over your head. And so, um, so yeah, for me, it's, it's, it's been a little bit... Um, spasmodic I guess in um, me getting very excited about running again and jumping back in um, I am a bit of an all-or-nothing person as you've probably noticed over the years mm. <laughs> um, and so when I do get a, a, a big goal in my mind I go right that's it I'm, I'm in I'm in I'm all in <laughs> yeah. and so and that bit, it's when I've been able to do that it's been amazing um, mm. But for me, finding that consistency has been really, really tough. And so I, I fall off the wagon again and I just stop running and I just can't get out the door. Um, and then I get depressed about the fact that I can't get out the door. <laughs> um, and the cycle continues. And um, 
yeah, it's, it's so frustrating. Um, especially like back in 2017, when I actually, I, I lost all the weight that I'd been trying to lose. I was, um, being, being coached and I was starting to achieve some really amazing things in running. Mm. Um, and then after a big race, I just fell off the wagon again and, you know, the bad habits came back and um, coping mechanisms kicked in and I, I did what I had to do to survive again and um, regained all the weight. And and then I think it's the shame that comes with that too. Um, you know, when when you feel like you're in a really good place in your life and then it goes backwards again, it's really tough to face the world and be like, this is where I'm at right now. Um, but this year for me is all about owning that story. <laughs> so I've decided it's time that I need to start, you know, um, being, being vulnerable again and, um, and being really upfront with, with what, what was happening and what is happening in my life. Um, that's why I am forcing myself to get out of my comfort zone a little bit. Um, just because that's what's growing is all about. Um, this year I actually, I've been told that I've, um, well, I've been diagnosed with um, PTSD as well. So that's been a new challenge for me. But um, as, as horrible as it might sound to be, oh, I've been diagnosed with PTSD, I think it's actually a good thing because it means that I'm at a, a time in my life now where I can actually um, look to start healing from some of that stuff from the past. So that's a really good positive thing um, if I'm at that place where I've got that strength to be able to start working through some of those issues rather than just blocking them out and, and being in my little bubble to survive. So, yeah. so it's a tough year, but it's a good positive year, I think. So the discomfort is a good thing. <laughs> Yeah, you're about to throw yourself right back into the ring. <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so before we get on to this new adventure, which I'm really excited to share, but let's just talk about one particular ultra that I remember you doing around an athletics track. And I'm sure that this particular <laughs> event would have shaped a lot of your journey so far in terms of ultra running and how to run and, and part of this journey, even now that you've been through, you know, going through these darkest times in your life, these ups and downs, I'm sure you've drawn on the experiences of even running around this track. Um, so it was the, um, now what was it called again? WA track ultra. Yes. So <laughs> you ran around an athletics track for how many hours was it? So it's a 24-hour event. I've actually done this one three times. So <laughs> I'm a real sucker for punishment. <laughs> I know. You really are. <laughs> so, so I recall this particular one that I remember. So you had a few of the girls there. You ran around the track for 24 hours. And how many kilometres did you rack up in that 24 hours? So the first year that I did that one, um, I went into it with wanting to run 100Ks without a, having to worry about cutoffs mm -hmm. because being a back-of-the-pack runner, you know, the cutoffs are always looming. So I thought, yeah, 24 hours on a track, that's a great place to do a 100K because I don't, you know, I've got 24 hours to do it. She'll be right. So there was a few of us that year, a um, few RMA girls, actually. They were my, they're my enablers. Yeah. <laughs> um, good old Harmony and Jung. Um, mm. <laughs> we were all enabling each other that year. Um, we all thought we'd sign up and we'd have a, 
have a go. Uh, none of us had done anything like that before. Um, but something really appealed to me about it, the fact that, you know, it was a 400 metre track and you had your little aid station set up on a table. So, you know, your stuff's always there the whole time. There's people around you there the whole time. And most of the time, if you're, you know, if you're a back of the packer, you don't see people after the beginning. Like it's like, hi, at the start line and maybe at the finish if they're still there when you finally finish. But this event, you're with those, you know, um, those podium runners the whole time. And so it was just amazing. So, so that year, um, the goal was 100K. I think I ended up running about 120 or 130K all up that year. Um, so that was my first year doing it. Um, the second year, I went in with a goal of 100 miles um, and managed to tick that one off, did a bit more than 100 miles. And then the third year in 2017, that that's when it got a bit more serious for me because after that second year of doing 100 miles, I suddenly thought, wow, if I can run 100 miles in 24 hours when I'm overweight and not really training properly, imagine what I might be able to do if I actually lose the weight and train properly. <laughs> um, and it was a real epiphany for me. I just went, I'm going to do this. So after that event, I, um, I something just clicked in my head and I really got into it and, and trained consistently and ate well and lost the weight. And then that next year, I went in with a big goal. I, I wanted to hit 200K um, and it was, it was massive. I had a great coach, um, Jodie, who's mm -hmm. also one of our ambassadors. Um, and she, I just did what she told me to do. <laughs> um, and we went into that weekend. It was one of the coldest, wettest, rainiest, most horrible weekends that that had in Bunbury over winter um and oh my gosh I still have flashbacks of that night of how icy icy cold it was with that rain um so unfortunately didn't make the 200 um it, everyone ran a lot lower numbers just with the weather conditions but I still managed 180 kilometers that year so that's my personal best on in 24 hours on track but well, yeah, and but next track, just around and around and around and around and around and around. So how do you like? I just want your insight into how you do that. Like, I would be bored out of my brain, but I can understand some people think it is incredibly amazing just to run in circles, and I want to know how you keep yourself motivated to do the next lap when you're a hundred and. 40 kilometers in like what makes you go like are there tools that you use to keep you going around that track it, it's interesting it's an interesting one and and people either really like it or they really hate it <laughs> um and I think some people can do it and say some people can't and I think I'm one of <laughs> I'm one of a few who can do it and so I think that was for me what made it exciting I'm like I could actually do this like this is something I can do I think I liked the predictability about it um, I liked that it, it takes a lot of the unknown elements out of an ultra so so when you're out on trails you know you, you kind of don't really know what the terrain's going to do and will that aid station be where you think it's going to be and and um you know whereas when you're on a track you've got everything there so it takes out a lot of those factors um so you know if something's not going quite so well you can you can change it up you've always got that ability to be able to do that but 
it's a lot of mind games that you have to play with yourself to keep yourself going. Um, you, you start off, you stop, you don't think about distance. You don't think about time. Um, I broke it down a lot into um, the eating, like every fourth lap, I would walk half a lap when I would fuel. Um, and so you're not thinking about, you know, I've got to run for 24 hours. You're thinking how many more laps until I get to walk for half a lap again. Um, and then, um, you know, as it, as the time goes on, especially overnight, um, you got to use other little tricks. I, I used to chant what, um, kilometer I was at, like with each lap, they had a screen and it would say like 86.4 or something. So the whole next lap I'd go 86.4, 86.4, 86.4 until I get to the next lap and then it'd be 86.8, 86.8. And just that chanting, because it just takes your mind off all the other horrible things like stop, walk, you hate this. Like it it tries to quieten some of those other thoughts in, in your mind. So um yeah and then I, I think I made up some pretty crazy songs I think, <laughs> I think you were it was delirious by that point <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah it was pretty much like that so yeah. yeah but I mean that last time I did it that it really broke me that one um mm. and it took me well yeah I pretty much this is my comeback from that three years ago now so <laughs> yeah I mean what did it feel like to finish that like how does your oh. body feel after running 180 kilometers around an athlete's track because it's not really that forgiving, that surface. Um, the best way I can describe it is like death. <laughs> <laughs> There's my favourite photo from that whole, oh, there was one really nice happy photo of me from that race. But my actual favourite photo from that race is when we got back home afterwards and I'm lying on the couch and I have a sleeping bag on me that one of the kids has put on me and I'm laying there with a hoodie on and I look like death and I made them take a photo because I'm like I want to remember how I feel right now (laughs) because your whole body it goes into I guess it's like a shock kind of thing but you are in pain that is just your entire body you actually feel a bit like you're dying and it doesn't matter what you do your whole body is just screaming um and that, like that's quite a few hours afterwards, like, you know, after you finished and you get home and mm. all the rest of it, eventually it, it fades and you're okay. Again. Mm. <laughs> but it is a very crazy feeling. Um, and yeah, it's, it's so bizarre. It's, it's one of those things. Yeah. Until you experience it, um, it's pretty hard to describe, but that's why I love that photo so much because <laughs> it's my little um, eternal reminder of how bad I felt after that race. <laughs> you're going back for more. But yeah, I I do think it's interesting how the body reacts because during an ultra and, you know, I've never run 180 kilometers, mind you, um, in, you know, 24 hours, but during an ultra, your body just keeps going. Like I I know that both the 100K races I've done, my body just kept going and going and then it wasn't until I stopped yeah. And a few hours later that my body almost goes into, and this doesn't happen to everyone. We're not going to scare people off ultras here, but um, <laughs> it's a little bit of a shock. Like it's kind of like your body takes a little bit of time to catch up and says, oh, oh hang on. Like yep. now I'm in a little bit of shock. And both times I finished my, I remember the first time at Surf Coast Century, I spent the entire night as nauseous as I've ever been. Like it was the worst nausea I've ever had in my life. Yeah. Um, but after UTA 100, which was a lot more intense um, of an experience, I was up vomiting all night. And it was oh, wow. my body just 
went into shock. Like I'd done all the right yeah. things. I'd fueled my body really well. I felt amazing throughout the race and even towards the end. And it wasn't until my body kind of caught up later and was like, ah, uh, hang on a minute. You just put yourself through a lot. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, so I can only imagine what it feels like to go, you know, <laughs> 180 kilometers um, in 24 hours and stop. Cause it's almost yeah. the stopping that is when the body goes into the shock, I think. Absolutely. <laughs> I like that this journey seems to have come a little bit full circle in your family. Um, and your daughter is also a runner. Um, she is. So, and very good runner at that. Did you, do you think that you had a little bit of uh, a bit to play in that journey there? <laughs> so Maddie is my second eldest. Um, she is the runner. Maddie runs uh, mainly on track um, 3K and 1500 and also cross country in cross country season. So she's actually um, on the state team and goes to nationals now. And yeah, is looking beyond that now. So that's very crazy. Um, I don't know where she gets this speed from. It is definitely not me. <laughs> um, she has often said to me, she's like, mum, I, I wouldn't be running if it wasn't for you. And I just, it blows me away because I just think, really? Like, I, you know, we've encouraged the kids to participate um, if there's been kids runs on or, or things um, when we've, we've been at running events. Um, but she's, she's really taken it upon herself to drive herself to that next level. It's, it's pretty amazing. And I guess you forget that kids watch you. <laughs> yeah. And what you model, they then take that on into their own lives. And, and it doesn't even necessarily have to be running, but it's just how they embrace life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, you know, even the two kids that I have that are not into running at all, they have really, the things that they've seen me model, they've then gone and embraced things in their own lives in that same gusto and that same um, determination um, and, you know, never give up attitude. And I am so grateful that I've been able to give that to them because, you know, it's it's a rarity these days for kids to experience um, grit and to yeah. have grit and resilience modeled to them. Mm. Um, you know, we're in such an instant world where everything is instant gratification and, and they've had to see me suffer. <laughs> they've had to see me go through the most horrendous things. They've had to see me whinge and complain about training. They've had to push me out the door. They've had to go, come on, mom, just go. And, you know, they've been part of it. It's not even that they've just been observing. It's that they've been part of it. What do you think it is if your kids were going to say anything about you and the journey that they've watched, what would be the one thing that you'd want them to remember about you? I think the one thing that I always tell them is that you are always stronger than what you think. Mm. You are always capable of more than you think you are. Mm. And I hope that's what they remember about what I do is that you can always overcome and that it's not, it's not about the talent. It's about how hard you work and how willing you are to just keep going and keep at it and keep trying 
It doesn't matter how many times you fall down. It's how many times you get back up again Mm, because that's really what it's all about. It really is. You know, any, anyone can do what I'm doing, Mm. you know, like anyone can do it. If, if I can do it when I'm overweight and just winging it, anybody can do it. It's just, you just can't give up. You just got to keep getting back up and trying again. Yeah. Which leads me to my next question. <laughs> now we've, so we've had a little bit of a hiatus with our running until recent times. And then instead of going back in and kind of like, you know, dabbling in your five, tens, maybe even half marathons, marathons, you're just heading straight bang right into 200 miles. So, as you do. As you do. <laughs> so do you want to tell everybody a little bit about what the race is that you are about to embark on, when it is, and how that came about. Yeah, funny story. (laughs) (laughs) So when COVID happened and I was stood down from my job, I had about two months when I did absolutely nothing. I ate, I drank, like a lot of people, I think, like everyone. I had those two months of just being like, nah, I'm done. Um, And then... It was, oh, it was literally a few days before the entries were going to open up for Delirious West 200 miler. Um, so it's a 200, it's actually, I think it's like 235 miles or something. It's actually further. So oh my gosh, no. <laughs> just, just to add injury to insult, I don't know. It's, it's more than 200. I know that much. I'm trying not to think about it too much. Yeah. Um, so uh, the entries were opening up for that race. Now that is a race um, here in WA starts from Northcliffe, um, goes down um, the Bibliomen track all the way down to Albany. So it basically follows the bib um, down there, which is absolutely amazing. It goes along the coast, you know, sandy dunes, all through the bush. It's just, it's amazing scenery. And so next year will be the third year that um, that race has been held. Um, And ever since the beginning, I really, really wanted to do it. It was just like, oh, that's on my list that (laughs) I have to do that. Um, The first year I, I was trying to sign up, like I signed up with a payment plan. And then after the first payment, I was just like, I just can't like the logistics. It just all got too much. And with the commitments with the kids, I just, I just didn't feel like it was fair on them. Um, So I, I withdrew. Uh, second year I just watched along and (laughs) this year and just went oh I so want to do this (laughs) and so then when entries opened this year I felt so conflicted I was just like I really really want to do this event but um, you know with being on stand down it really wouldn't be fair for me to be spending money on this race Um, and I just I was pretty much having a big sulk about it um I'd signed up for another event um that was in 10 weeks time from that point and I thought right that's it I'm jumping straight back in I'm going to see how fit I can get in these 10 weeks and I'm just going to jump back in Mm. so about two days after I did that and had jumped straight back in um to crazy training um I got a knock on my door at about five o'clock in the evening. So I opened the door and they're standing at the door were three of my amazing friends from our ultra series WA running community. And they had a little bag with a delirious West cap and a printed out 
um, you know, bit of paper with Delirious West on it and a little gift bag. And they're like, well, over the last 24 hours, we decided to start a secret Facebook group and try and raise some money to be able to get your entry for Delirious West. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> uh, so in secret, they had created this group, um, which you knew about <laughs> as well. <laughs> A lot of secret squirrel was going on there. Yeah. Um, crazily enough, they managed to not only raise the entry fee, but a heap of extra money too, so that I can actually take my family with me and have like a proper crew and do this thing properly. I'd always thought if I did it, I'd just do, you know, basic drop bags, wouldn't have a crew or anything like that. Um, but this amazing gift that they've given me has, has meant that I can take my whole family with me and really enjoy the experience. Oh, sorry, getting emotional even thinking about it. Just people that they said, hey, you know, who wants to chip in? And, and these amazing people from our running community just put, put their hands up during COVID and put this money towards me being able to fulfill my dream. Mm. And I like words just can't express how much it meant to me. So I'm running a 200 miler in February next year. So um. You might yeah. not be thanking us when you get to 190 <laughs> miles. <laughs> you might be like, what on earth were they thinking? <laughs> but, you know, oh. it just shows how much you mean to people and how much your journey has meant um, to people watching on and just that, that you've spoken into other people's lives um, and that they just want to give back to you. Yeah. So how's your training been going so far for that? It's been going well. It's, this is the most consistent I've ever been, ever. <laughs> it's funny how sometimes, yeah, you just get a goal in your head and you go, right, that's it. I'm, I'm in. I'm doing this. It had been going really well up to a couple of weeks ago, actually. <laughs> um, and then um, I, got, I got a cold and um, had to get a COVID test, as you do if you get a cold at the moment. Um, and was waiting for the results and my treadmill died which I was not happy about at all and so yeah my treadmill died and I'm like oh great I've had this COVID test I haven't got the results I can't go outside you have to stay home until you get the results mm. so in my tiny backyard I made up a little 42 meter track and had a four-hour run to do. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I ran around my 42-metre track for four hours. Um, <laughs> you do that? <laughs> and so now I have a great respect for anyone who's over in Victoria who's limited on where they can run at the moment or anyone who's done some of those home ISO runs. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, man. But it was an experience and I can tick that one off my list well, you again. you can. But... You've done track cultures <laughs> and now you've done a 42-metre track in your backyard. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Well, that's commitment. If, if that's anything, that's commitment. That's for sure. Um, we'll, we'll just finish off in a minute, but I wanted to ask you, you know, being such a valued member of RMA and an amazing ambassador for women's running and particularly ultra and trail running as well, um, is there any women that you've met in RMA that, you know, you've shared this journey well with, um, that have made a huge impact on your life? Well, that's you, Nicole. Oh, <laughs> well, without you, I would never have found RMA. Well, maybe I might've, but 
you know, if, if I hadn't have found RMA when I did, I would have missed out on all of those connections. Mm. And I don't think it's been, it hasn't been particular connections as much. It's been more just of that connection in general. Mm. And that has just been amazing that, you know, that has enabled me to feel like I belong somewhere because for a long time I felt like I did not belong anywhere. Mm. So, you know, and there's, there's people on RMA who I feel like I know. And I mean, my friends list on Facebook, it's probably majority RMA people who I've never met. Mm. Um, And I mean, even going over to Gold Coast, when I went over there, the people that I met who were like, oh, you're Emma. It's just, it's opened up so much to me. And it's it's just been amazing. Um, You know, and and without you creating RMA, I, I never would have had that. So that's just, yeah, that's, it's amazing. I mean, and Jodie, uh, Jodie O'Born, um, who was my coach for a few years, the impact she's had on my life has been amazing as well. I mean, we've, we, she obviously coached me um, over online so um, and over the phone and things like that. Also, her just belief in me, um, you know, her belief that I, I could run these distances and I could run faster and I could do these things, which, you know, I really doubted in myself that I could do. And um, I mean, that's, that's changed a big outlook on, of myself with running as well, you know, and then there's, there's people like Harmony and Jung who've become my family from the beginning. Um, <laughs> our crazy year of of um, run, trying to run a ridiculous amount of ultras where we all broke ourselves in that year. Yeah. <laughs> Those two girls in particular, we just, we are lifelong friends now. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's all about that connection. And, um, and the thing that I've also loved about RMA over the years is that even when I have been going through those times where I've um, run away from life, I've been able to still be connected without, without actually being active. Mm. Um, and, yeah, there's, I mean, even our RMA admin team, I feel like I know all of you girls so well. And it's crazy. There's people I've never met in that group. And yet I feel like I have such a connection with them. It really is a special thing. Mm, That's so nice to hear. And that's, that's the beauty of RMA is that connection. And I was telling someone today about the podcast and the reason I did it and that I'm just so like passionate about the stories of all the women in RMA being shared because it's, it's only through that, those connections that, you know, we can share them and, and the connections that I see that happen on RMA and, and form and just that little, I guess, um, ripple effect, um, how they filter down and the trajectory that they take people on has been really amazing to watch it's a very privileged position i really am in like to to watch women achieve these amazing things well we're going to wrap up but before we wrap up i always do an rma hot lap (laughs) so the hot lap is five quick questions not everybody has been quick um (laughs) i've been practicing it's all good (laughs) you've been practicing good so the first one is going to be what is your favorite race fuel that is a new one for me. Spring Energy Canterbury flavor. Yum. Canterbury. <laughs> Have you had that one? No. Oh, it is, it is so good. It's it's meant to be, it sort of tastes like a strawberry smoothie is how they describe it. Going it's definitely my favorite one. It's on the list. Okay. <laughs> favorite thing to wear when running? 
Uh, two things, my Ultra Olympus shoes and OC shirts. They are the bomb. <laughs> awesome. One thing you can't go without on a long run. My Garmin, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Less Garmin down. <laughs> I was... This is not part of the hot lap, but how did you cope with Garmin going down? I tell you what, it was tough. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I didn't have re- too, so I was I fine. <laughs> oh, I didn't realise how much I relied on seeing my stats. It was quite, it was quite distressing. But because of the fly into July step challenge, that was the hardest thing because we had, we didn't have our steps anywhere, so it was, it was very stressful. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't good timing, was it? That's true. We're no. right at the end of fly into July, and we couldn't yeah. even get our steps up. <laughs> Mine's back, so I'm good now. <laughs> Um, your favorite running moment? Um, that would be, it definitely has to be the finish line moments with the kids there. So, um, the time that I did the hundred miler, um, on the 24 hour track with the kids all held hands and like crossed the line when I did got to the hundred miles, that was amazing. And the one I told you about with the wild goose finish with all the kids being able there to see that. So they're definitely the best, best moments. (laughs) Wild goose was also a very memorable one. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) <laughs> for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> um, and the last question, one word to sum up your experience so far. <laughs> the first the first word that comes to mind is exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I don't <laughs> but I don't think that's really very appropriate. <laughs> so I'd probably say a journey. It really is a journey and it will continue to be a journey. So that sums it up for me. It's a journey. It's been an incredible privilege to be part of that journey. So thank you very much. Oh, thank you, Nick. (laughs) Well, thanks for joining us, Emma. Thank you for opening up and sharing so much of your story with us. I can't wait to share this story with the world. Oh, exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Nick. It's been an absolute honour to be on here and an honour to be an ambassador for so many years now. Um, And I hope that I can get a little bit better at staying um, online a bit more and <laughs> sharing a bit more. <laughs> oh, we're looking forward to following this new adventure with you to Delirious West and um, yeah, stay tuned for the next podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Nick. Bye.